What's that next verse? You chose the seed of Israel's race. Everyone sing. I want to hear you from up here now. Verse number two. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the tonight. They had their quizzing yesterday and they'll tell you a little bit about how things went. We're the Cubbies, the three and four year olds and these Cubbies have learned three verses and they're getting their third lamb patch tonight. We have Savannah Gavin We have Maggie Woods Paige Sanford and Colton Corbett. We have two awards for the Sparks. I have a red jewel for Justin Johnson. Justin learned 12 Bible verses. And Amanda Thompson's earned a green jewel. She learned Genesis 1-1, and then we also went on a nature hike. Chums, pals, guards, and pioneers to come on up. Uh, these are our clubbers and uh, coaches that went to our Bible quizzing yesterday. We competed at Oakwood Baptist Church against uh, all the other churches uh, in the area that have the Awana Club. Each of them have uh, clubbers that uh, have to qualify to go to quizzing. And then they go and compete against each other. Okay, we're up there. Uh, yesterday, we all were very, very proud of these uh, quizzers. Uh, they worked very hard to uh, make it to yesterday, practiced for every week, and uh, came to church. And we're proud of, the, of each of these clubbers, and they did very well. Um, first ones I want to mention are uh, 
uh, from the Chums, which is third and fourth grade girls, and we had two different, uh, each club had two different categories, uh, different ranks, they call them. Um, our maiden team, which was Whitney Benford, which uh, she's not able to be here tonight, and Chelsea Morrow, uh, they were our maiden team, and they got an overall, for the overall uh, maiden uh, division, they got second place, and we're very proud of them. And uh, in the second division, which is our princess team, for chums was Holly Thompson, Megan Reed, and Abby Hensley. And uh, overall, against a lot of churches, uh, they got fourth place, and we're very proud of them. And another one of our teams that uh, did very well, all of them worked very hard, uh, was a PALS, which uh, was third and fourth grade boys, and our warrior team, uh, which was Brennan Morrow and Chris Sherwood, and they're behind me here. There you are, guys. Uh, they did very well and worked very hard, and they also got fourth place in their division. Okay. One thing also, another note I wanted to mention about our maiden team, uh, Whitney Benford, I'm so sorry that she wasn't able to make it tonight. We are so proud of her. She's uh, one, of the, uh, one of the kids that we, the clubbers that uh, we pick up from our neighborhood here, and she worked very hard, and in the multiple choice division, we have two divisions, speed quizzing and multiple choice quizzing, and in the multiple choice quizzing, uh, she got a perfect score. She did not get any wrong, and we were very, very proud of her. And also, Chelsea Morrow in the speed quizzing, uh, she quizzed out and got a perfect score in that. And to quiz out, you have to get three, three questions right, and you get an extra 15 points. And, um, and so she quizzed out, and we're very, very proud of her. And uh, that was a great team. Um, let's see here. Okay, all right, now what we want to do is give them uh, some certificates and recognize uh, each of the uh, different clubs real quick and their coaches. Uh, the first team was Whitney Benford, and she's not here, and Chelsea Morrow. And we've got a, a certificate for her. She earns her, this is her first year in her patch, and we also have got uh, something for her from the Iwana Clubs. We appreciate her. And the coaches uh, for the chums, oh yeah, forgot about my princess team. Uh, on the princess team, we had Holly Thompson. <laughs> Megan Reed. And, and Abby Hensley. And uh, on our, our coaches on that team, Emily, Emily and Tracy Morrow, and we appreciate them very much. Okay, on the PALS, we had competing on the Brave team was Tyler Sanford. And then on the Warrior team was Brennan Morrow. And Chris Sherwood. On the guards uh, team, we had uh, 
Alyssa Flippo, and she's not able to be here tonight. And also on the anchor team, we had Sarah Sherwood. And uh, their coach was Angie McGoy. We appreciate her. Uh, this was her fifth year, we think. Uh, we were trying to figure out. I think she's been a coach for five years, and that's fantastic. Also, we've got uh, in our pioneers on the Explorer team was Zach Seals. And uh, his coach was Robert Wiley. Appreciate him. Thank you. Uh, forgot to mention uh, Tony Bennett. I looked around and he's gone. Tony Bennett was the coach for the uh, PALS teams. And also I wanted to mention that uh, uh, Lisa Bennett uh, worked on staff at the event and so did Dana Reed and I've got uh, their patches. We appreciate everybody. Let's let the ushers come forward to receive our offering. And let me say to all of our Awana workers and children, we're very proud of you and excited about the good year they're having in Awana. And uh, many of you ought to pray about helping in Awana on Wednesday night. It'd be a real blessing to you. And, but we're excited about what the Lord is doing. We're also excited about faith. We kick off our third semester, our spring semester, this Thursday night. And we have 48 that will be in faith and 16 teams, 17 teams. Uh, 16 or 17 teams will be going out every Thursday night. So that starts on Thursday night. We're looking forward to that, 6 o'clock on Thursday. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Thank you for our children, young people, for our workers, and their commitment to learning the Word of God and knowing you. Bless the offering now. It's through the giving of the people of God that we're able to do these things. So honor the giving of your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
cleansing blood can wash away my sins. Oh, I stand today with my heart so clean through the blood that Jesus sheds. I am truly, truly free. I'm clean, oh, I'm clean, I've been washed in his blood, yes, I'm clean, so clean, through the power of his love, I've been cleansed in the fountain of blood shed for me. But I'm not what I used to be. Jesus, His precious blood has made me clean. Oh, I'm not the same anymore. You see, Jesus, He's taken my shame, my Jesus, His has made me, has made me clean. Now I'm clean.
here, so I don't know how we'll do, but well, I enjoyed that special tonight about being clean. That's, if that doesn't kind of stir you up a little bit, something's a little bit wrong right there. But this song right here, it says, All Hail King Jesus. Life's toils and tests, the worst and best. I'm never left alone. You're always right beside me. You hear me when I pray. And since I first began, you've been my dearest friend. I give you all the praise. We're singing thanks. loving presence makes me strong each and every moment of each and every day i'm gonna sing and shout won't let the rocks cry out i'll give you all the praise 
We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing. Yes, I do. choir's coming down. I don't think you'll need a book, but let's have some handshaking and fellowship while the choir's coming down. I'll fly away in just a minute. When this life is o'er, some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die. Ah! Uh -huh. 
book, turn to number 321. Do you, you have words to it as well? Okay, 321. Let's do a little bit of it as well with my soul. Get your book. You'll enjoy the words on this one. together my sin are gone <laughs> and one day we'll meet our Savior face to face this is an old song and as when Kim called me and asked me to sing it today uh, tonight I thought about when we were by my mother's bedside this is a song that we sung over and over again to her and I just love it what a day that will be <laughs> No heartaches will come 
the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that's going to be. kind of makes me want to get a load up and go tonight, don't it? Amen. <laughs> Brother Horner, good to have you with us tonight. If you drive, I'll jump on there with you. And, but it's a joy. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad there's a lot more to life than just this life? And we've got some wonderful things ahead for us. Take your Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 8. The book of Joshua chapter 8. And we continue making our way through Joshua. I want you to stand as we honor reading the Word of God publicly. Tonight I want us to think about the matter of getting up, getting back, and going on. Getting up, getting back, and going on. Maybe someone tonight that has been defeated by past failure, then I want you to hear the Word of the Lord tonight from Joshua 8. And what God wants you to do is to get up, get back, and go on. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read the first two verses in the chapter, and then we'll look at the chapter tonight as a whole. But let's look at these two verses, and I believe the Lord will give 
as a word tonight that will encourage us. Verse 1, Joshua 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. Thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. Let's stop reading there. You may be seated. And tonight, let's think about, as we look in Joshua 8, again on the thought of getting up, getting back, and going on. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, what a joy it is to be able to read the Word of God. What a wonderful privilege it is tonight, and I know, Lord, that we don't often consider it a privilege, but it is a privilege to be able to come together as we have tonight and to read the Word of God and to hear just the reading of the Word of God. What a blessing that is. And we think of generations past in history that did not have the opportunity to hear the Word of God read publicly. But we thank you, Lord, that we can gather. And what a joy it is to be able to read the blessed Word of God. But we thank you, Lord, tonight that we can not only read your Word, but the Spirit of God that indwells us will take the Word of God and teach us wonderful truths of the Lord. So tonight I pray that you would speak to hearts. Lord, I ask you to use me tonight as the servant of the Lord. And that tonight that you will speak to us and you'll give us a word from you. Bless now this wonderful story and let it be used to encourage some heart. And if there be someone here tonight, Lord, that maybe feels that they have been defeated or they have failed the Lord and blown it, help them tonight to realize what you can do for them and what you want to do in their life again. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things and for his sake we pray, amen. If you have been with us on Sunday nights as we have been making our way through the book of Joshua, you know that the book of Joshua, as I have often stated, is a book that teaches us that the Christian life is to be a victorious life. You see, the whole book of Joshua is about victory. The whole book of Joshua is about living in the land or living the kind of life that God wants for the believer. It is a book that tells us that the Christian life is to be a victorious life. Living in Canaan is symbolic of living a life of spiritual victory. And as you go through the book of Joshua, every chapter in Joshua gives us both a pattern for victory and also the principles for victory. We see in Joshua and the children of Israel a pattern of victory. But in their lives and through the events that are given to us in the book, we glean blessed principles of how that we can live in the land of Canaan and how we can be victorious. There are many wonderful lessons in the book of Joshua to glean about living a victorious life. But one of the great lessons of Joshua is this, that living a victorious Christian life is not a sinless life. Now let me say that again and I want you to get it. That living a victorious life does not mean that you do not sin. Living a victorious Christian life does not mean that you do not fail. You see, living in Canaan does not create Christians that are immune from failure. 
But the simple truth of the matter is, every one of us, at some time or another in our life, we fail the Lord. There are times that we disobey God. And there are times that we sin against the Lord. And there are times that we're guilty of committing sin and failing the Lord. But yet as we go through the book of Joshua, and as we continue our journey through it tonight, we learn, and I want you to get this statement, for I'll use it several times tonight. We learn in Joshua chapter 8 that failure need not be final, and failure need not be fatal. For you see, as we come to Joshua chapter 8, we're reminded that the place of our greatest defeat can become the place of our greatest victory. I think about a story that I read not too long ago, how back there in the 16th, 16th century, there was an Italian naval engagement that took place between the fleets of Genoa and Venice. The Genoese admiral suffered a crushing defeat, but yet when the repairs of his ship were completed, he gave the orders that they were going to set sail for their former scene of battle where they had been beat. His officers began to question him. They said, do you think it is wise to go back? We were crushed there. Do you think it is wise to go back again? But this was his reply. He said, it was rendered famous by our defeat, and I will make it immortal by our victory. You see, when we come to Joshua chapter 8, once again we visit a place called Ai. It is a place in chapter 7 that is made famous by defeat, but in chapter 8, it is made immortal by victory. If you remember in our last study in Joshua a couple of weeks ago, in chapter 7, we saw the results of committing sin. But when you come to chapter 8, you see the results of confessing sin. What you might see, or what, what really to sum it all up in chapter 8, you see the children, Joshua and the children of Israel getting up from their defeat, getting back to where God can bless them, and going on to a life of victory. Again, I want to repeat this tonight, that if we, if you have failed in your life, I want you to understand, and I say it again, failure need not be final, and failure need not be fatal. In fact, I think of something that uh, W. Graham Scroggie said, and it's so good I want to put it on the screen. This is a tremendous statement. I want you to listen to this, and I want you to get this in your heart. Scroggie made this statement. Failure in the past should teach us and not paralyze us. Let me say it again. Failure in the past should teach us and not paralyze us. And he went on to say, let not past failure paralyze your present nor mortgage your future. In other words, if one is guilty of failure in their Christian life, then the Word of God is get up, get back, and go on. Don't let that failure break you, but rather let that failure build you. I think it's something that F.W. Robertson said, and listen to this. He said, life, like war, is a series of mistakes. And he is not the best Christian nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that, but he that is the best he, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victories by the retrieval of mistakes. Forget mistakes. Organize victories out of your mistakes. In other words, instead of just staying down when you fell, God, get up. 
And instead of living in despondency and despair, feeling like you could never do anything for God again, get back to where God can do something in your life and God can do something with your life and go on learning from your failure and allowing it to be your teacher from future and further failure in your life. It's like a Jewish proverb that I read one time. A Jewish proverb says there are three men who get no pity. First one is an unsecured creditor. That man, the Jewish proverb says, should not get any pity. The second one, this might hit one or two in the room tonight, a man who gets no pity is a hen-pecked husband. Do we have anybody like that? Would you stand up so we can know who you are? And then the third one that doesn't get any pity is a man who does not try again. Listen to me tonight. Failure need not be final, and failure need not be fatal. It's like the great Alexander White said, that the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. And when you come to Joshua chapter 8, you see a new beginning for Joshua and the children of Israel. So I want us to look at the chapter tonight, and I want us to see how someone that has failed can get up, get back, and go on for the glory of God. Are you ready to go with me tonight? Say amen. Look in Joshua 8, and let me just point out three things. The first one I want you to notice is this. It is what I want to call the violation that robbed them. There is the violation that robbed them. For you see tonight, it is impossible to appreciate the events of chapter 8 without understanding what happened in chapter 7. Now, we've already gone through chapter 7, but I want to briefly review that chapter and just remind you of a couple of things. For one thing, you remember in chapter 7, you remember what happened? You see their disobedience. In chapter 7, you see their disobedience. Now, when they were getting ready to take the city of Jericho, this was the command of God to them. It is found in Joshua 6, 18 and 19. God said, in ye in any wise, keep yourself from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. And when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. In other words, God said, now when you take the city, everything belongs to me. Everything that you take as far as spoils of the battle, they belong to me. They go into my treasury there to be consecrated to the Lord. God gave them the city as we know the story. We looked at it when the walls came tumbling down. But we find as we continue that when they took the city, there was one man that violated the command of God. We saw that chapter 7 verse 1, and he was a man by the name of Achan. And the Bible describes his violation of God's command. The Bible said that he saw, the Bible said that he coveted, and the Bible said that he took. And you know what he took? He took a Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold. Chapter 7 and verse 20. But what Achan did, he took what belonged to God. Everything in Jericho was God's. It belonged to the Lord. It was consecrated to the Lord. But he not only took what belonged to God, but even worse, he disobeyed God. For God said, don't take it. It is the accursed thing. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. But Achan disobeyed God. In fact, the way God looked at it was he gave, made it a national command. And even though one man committed the sin, chapter 7, verse 1 said, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. God saw it as a national sin as well. So there was their disobedience. Now that led to something else. Not only do you see their disobedience, but you see their defeat. 
for their disobedience led to their defeat. We read in chapter 7, verse 4, that there went up thither the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. Now you think about it. Ai is nothing compared to Jericho. Very small in comparison to the size of Jericho. But God gave them Jericho. But now they're being chased by Ai. And the men of Ai chases them, and Israel suffers 36 casualties. Not a lot of number, not a big number, but they were totally humiliated by their defeat. The victors at Jericho are victims at Ai. They conquered at Jericho, but they're conquered at Ai. Now the question is why? Why is it they're so victorious at Jericho, but they're humiliated at Ai? Why is it they overcome at Jericho, but they're overcome at Ai? Achan's confession in chapter 7, verse 20, gives the explanation. He said, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. The reason they were defeated at Ai, they were not right with the Lord. And he reminds us that sin always robs one of the blessings of the Lord. Whenever there is sin in the camp, there will be no experiencing of God's power. When there is sin in the camp, there will be no experiencing of God's presence. And when there is sin in the camp, there will be no experiencing of God's protection. It is a story of sin and failure. It is a story of the high cost of committing sin. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. And when our fellowship with God is broken, we are robbed of the blessings of the Lord. You see, the battlefields of life are strong with numerous spiritual casualties. Achans that have disobeyed God. Achans that have committed sin. Achans that have fallen from a place of blessing and victory, and they have fallen on the battlefield of life. That is the violation that robbed them, the sin, the violation of God's command, and it robbed them of the blessings and the power of God. That's the background of chapter 8 that you find in chapter 7. But that leads me to a second thing. Chapter 7 is a story of failure. But notice in chapter 8, second of all, not only the violation that robbed them, but in chapter 8, the voice that reassured them. For you, when you come to Joshua chapter 8, we see that their sin had been confronted. When you come to Joshua 8, their sin had been confessed and their sin had been cleansed. Their sin is confronted, their sin is confessed, and their sin is now cleansed. And when their sin is cleansed, we began chapter 8 verse 1 by hearing God say, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Now, if you are familiar with Joshua, then you know those words are very familiar. And how sweet they must have been to Joshua. And how sweet they must have been to the ears of the children of Israel. For they're words that take you back to a time that is not marked by sin. They're words that take you back to a time that is not marked by failure, but a time that is marked by fellowship with God. A time that is marked by the blessings of the Lord, an anticipation of what God is going to do. You remember in Joshua 1, as they're getting ready to cross the Jordan, the land of the promise, land of promise, you remember what God said to Joshua? Joshua 1, 9, he said, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. These were words that assured them of God's power. These were words that assured them of God's presence. 
These were words that assured them of God's protection. All of that had been lost due to sin. But now they hear those blessed words again. God says to them, Be not, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. What did those words mean to them? I submit unto you two things they meant to Joshua and the children of Israel. For one thing, they meant God's forgiveness. They meant that God had forgiven them of sin. The sin had been dealt with. The sin had been purged from their life. And now once again, God is assuring them that he is with them. He has forgiven them. And now he can bless them again. Are you listening to me tonight? You say, but Brother Ken, I've done this. Brother Ken, you don't know what I have done. I serve God. I live for God. But I committed sin. I failed against the Lord. I want you to listen to me tonight. Here is the wonderful promise of God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, A-double-L, all unrighteousness. Now, the plan of God is that we sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Listen to me tonight. If your sin has been confronted and your sin has been confessed, then I want you to understand something tonight. Your sin has also been cleansed. And when your sin is cleansed, you now have fellowship with the Lord. Are you listening to me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Four of you are. I want the other 90 to get with me. Are you with me tonight? Say amen. Our failures need not be final. And our failures need not be fatal. But you say, but Brother Ken, do you really, really mean that God would forgive me of what I've done? Here's God's answer. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far in sin you have gone. If you come to Him and confess your sins, He will cleanse you of your sins and wash you as white as snow. If you have confessed your sins, then you can say, Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. He can cleanse you and forgive you of all of your sin. Martin Luther had a dream one night. He dreamed he was standing at, at the judgment of God. And as he was standing there, Satan came along. Satan got out his books and he opened them up. He started naming Martin Luther's sins one by one by one. Mr. Luther, this is what you did here. This is what you did here. This is what you did here. Luther looked at him and said, but there's one entry you have forgot to make. And the devil sneered at him and said, what entry is that? And Luther said, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. You see, Satan loves to harass the Christian who has failed, making them live under guilt and haunted by what they have done, feeling they have blown it, feeling that there is no hope for them. But again, can I say it again? If you have confessed your sins, confronted your sins, and confessed those sins, then they have been cleansed, and you can once again hear those blessed words, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. They were words that said God had forgiven them. But not only that, 
But they were words that also spoke of not only God's forgiveness, but also God's favor. For there came also these reassuring words. Take all the people of war with thee, in verse 1, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. You see, God's blessings had been lost because of sin. It resulted in their defeat. But once again, where they had been beaten, now God says, I'm going to bless you. He was saying, look, you, got de- you were defeated before, but I have already given you the land. You will be a victor this time. God's blessings was once again upon them. Not only God's forgiveness, but God's favor was with, upon them again. You see, friend, tonight God would not only forgive you of your sin, but he will once again bless the life of the one that has failed. May I say it one more time, and I'll say it again before I get through the night. Failure need not be final, and failure need not be fatal. But Brother Kim, what, what I've done is so bad. Listen, if it's under the blood, it is cleansed. And if it's been forgiven, it has been forgotten. And when you are right with God, I want you to understand God can and will bless your life again. A believer that has failed can be blessed of the Lord. I'm sure Peter thanked God 10,000 times 10,000 that God didn't throw you aside when you failed. And I'm sure Peter blessed the name of the Lord that failure was not a denier of future blessings. And Peter rejoiced that God was a forgiving God. You can always be sure of one thing. The repentant sinner will always find the fatty calf killed when he comes back home to God. There is the forgiveness and the favor of God that can be restored in the life of a believer. Do you believe that tonight? You're sitting there like you don't believe it, but do you believe it tonight? We fail the Lord. We all fail the Lord. Some do worse than others. But here's the good news. There's a God that wants you to come home. And there's a God that will forgive us sin. And when he forgives us sin, he can and will bless your life again. Oh, Brother Kenny, will it ever be like it used to be? Come back to God and find out. He'll bless you once again. Failure need not be final. And failure need not be fatal. But look at the third and the final thing you see in the story. You not only see the violation that robbed them. And you not only see the voice that reassured them. But thirdly, you see the victory that restored them. Let me explain. The rest of the chapter, we read verse 1 and 2. But the rest of the chapter gives the details of how God turned their place of defeat into a place of victory. Once again, the people are dependent on the Lord, sensitive to the commands of God. And God gives them a wonderful battle strategy. In fact, it's a battle military strategy that is still considered to be a marvelous military plan. You read the chapter. We won't read all the verses, but I'll point a few out. But the battle that plan that God gave Joshua involved the deployment of Israel's troops into three main divisions. There was, first of all, what I would call a destructive contingent. Look at verse 3 and 4. Joshua arose and all the people of war that go up against Ai. Joshua chose out 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in wait against the city. Even behind the city, go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. Now, this group of men was given the assignment of hiding up in the hills just west of the city. And they were given the assignment of hiding there until they got the signal. And when they got the signal, they were to rush the city 
and to set the city on fire. You read that in verse 7 and 8. Then you shall rise up from the ambush, seize upon the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be when you have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord shall you do, see I have commanded you. That was the first contingent. There was a destructive contingent. They were to hide and then destroy the city. But there's another division. And it's what I would call a diversionary contingent or a diversionary force. Look in verse 5 and 6. And I, Joshua said, and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city and it shall come to pass. When they come out against us as at the first, that we'll flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say they flee before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Now, the second group, a diversionary force, a force was led by Joshua. And what Joshua did is he camped right in plain view of the city of Ai. And he did so to be a decoy. He would draw his plans were to draw the men out of the city chase them, and they would run just like they had run before. And the men of Ai think, we've got them on, the, on running again, so we'll chase them and we'll defeat them again. And so Joshua wanted to pull the men out of the city. And once he did so, then the group hiding in the hills would run down, enter the city, and set the city on fire. But there was one more contingent that he had. It's what I would call a defensive group. It's about 5,000 men that he positioned between Bethel and Ai, and he put them there basically to make sure nobody from Bethel came down to reinforce the men of Ai. So he had his group here to draw them out. And then he had that group in the hills come down, enter the city, set it on fire. And once he got them drawn out of the city, then the men that had set the city on fire would come running. And Joshua would stop, come back, and catch him in a preacher-like move. And he would win the battle. And it went exactly like they planned. And why would you wonder? Not because God gave the battle plan there. And their humiliation was turned to jubilation. The place that was marked by failure is now marked by victory. Now, what did this victory mean to them? It restored them to two basic things. Let me get them to you. One, they were restored to a place of spiritual strength. Sin had robbed them of God's help, leaving them to fight AI the first time in their own strength, which resulted in them being soundly defeated by the enemy. But now the enemy is soundly defeated. And the difference is they now fight AI the second time with divine resources. God had said to them, I have given in thy hand the king of AI and his people and his city and his land. They now are victorious. They now fight in spiritual strength again. Now listen to me tonight. It may be that there's someone in this room tonight that somewhere your life is marked by failure. Somewhere you failed God. You failed God in a way that you knew was wrong. You disobeyed God. You plainly violated a command of God that he'd given you. You failed God. And you, 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 you failed the Lord and you, go, you remember when you used to walk in a place of spiritual strength. You remember how you used to serve God. How you used to honor God. How there used to be a strength about your life. But I want you to know something tonight. God can bring you back to that place again where your life is characterized as being spiritually strong. Many of you are haunted and feel guilty because you remember how you used to be a strong witness for God, strong about the things of the Lord, strong in the things of God. And you wonder, can I ever be that kind of Christian again? 
can I ever be what I used to be? I used to have a testimony. I used to serve God. I used to be so strong. But can I ever be that again? You listen to me. God now brings them back to a place of spiritual strength. I'm sure AI felt the same way. I'm sure after they were humiliated by AI that they thought we'll never be what we were at Jericho. But I want you to know the hour at Jericho was nothing to that hour at AI when God gave them such a marvelous victory. Failure need not be final. And failure need not be fatal. God can bring you back to a place of spiritual strength. But look at something else. Not only did he restore them to a place of spiritual strength, but he also restored them to a place of spiritual service. Look what the battle plan called for. It called for total destruction of AI. During the battle, Joshua held out a spear like God told him to do. And as long as he held out that spear, then God blessed and they had a great victory. In fact, he did not let the spear down until there was a total destruction of AI. Look in verse 18. The Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. How long did he hold it out? Look in verse 26. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now get this. The whole city was wiped out. Total 100% wiped out. Worse than Sherman marching to Atlanta. He wiped everything out. The Bible said, and so it was that all that fell that day, verse 25, both men and women were 12,000, even the men of Ai. Everything. The only thing that was spared was the cattle and the spoil, and that was given to the men that fought the battle. But every man in Ai was destroyed. Every woman in Ai was killed. Every one of them died. Not one was spared. And someone might say, but why did they kill everybody? Somebody's, I've even read where some have suggested that it was a slaughter of innocent people. A brutal act of war on the part of Joshua to invade a city and to destroy the whole city. But why to destroy everybody? I want you to bear in mind that God he was not only giving Israel the land, but he was also purging the land of a godless pagan society. But you see, not only what is happening in chapter 8, it's not only what God is doing for Israel, but it's also what he is doing with Israel. For he's not only again giving them the land, but he's purging the land. For Israel, God was blessing them. But for Ai and the Canaanites, God was judging them. Now, here's the point I want you to get. You not only see God doing something for them, but God doing something with them. If I can put it this way, you know what God was doing? He was using the children of Israel and Joshua as his instrument of judgment upon a pagan society and a godless, God-hating group of people that had turned their back on God. In other words... They're being used again. It may have been used in purposes of judgment, but they're being used again. You say, Brother Ken, can God use me after what I have done, after how I have failed the Lord? 
Can God use me? Listen to me. If your sin is confessed, then your sin is cleansed. And when your sin is cleansed, it is forgiven. And when you are forgiven of sin, you are brought back into a place that God can bless your life again. And when you're brought back into a place that God can bless your life again, then God can also use you again. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad tonight that when we blow it, when we violate the commands of God, I know some folk that throw people aside like they're worthless. If they make one error, make one mistake, they set them over here as no longer usable and no longer worthless. But I am glad, blessed be God, he doesn't think that way. That even though we fail God, He is a God that forgives. And He is a God that cleanses. And when He forgives, He can use us again and do something with our life again. I'm sure Peter, thank God for that as I said a moment ago, 10,000 times 10,000. I see him failing God on the night that he denied the Lord. But about 50 days later, he's preaching and 3,000 get saved. I think about Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, Jonah 1, verse 1. He disobeyed God, failed God, ran from God, and there were consequences to failing God. But I love Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. Jonah 1, verse 1 said, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Jonah 3, verse 1 said, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad for those second times? Aren't you glad for those second times? Aren't you glad for those second times? Aren't you glad? Thank God for those second times. Aren't you glad God gives us a second chance? Aren't you glad God don't throw us in the dump and say no more, but he'll wash us as white as snow and use us again for the glory of God? Aren't you glad for the second time? Thank God that he's a God that can use those who have failed the Lord. Have you failed the Lord tonight? Maybe you're a chapter 7 casualty. Maybe you have been defeated in the, in the battle of life. I want you to jump, slam over in chapter 8. Get up, get back, and go on. Get right with God. Come to God. Don't live in defeat. Don't live under guilt because of the past. It's under the blood. If it's under the blood, it's gone. It's washed away. You'll never face it again in God's eyes. God doesn't know about it. It's been buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And if it's gone, forgiven, and forgotten, don't live under your guilt. Get up, get back, and go on and do something for God. Live in victory the way God wants you to live. I'm enjoying this if you're not. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. God is good. And I'm glad that he forgives his sin. Those who are going to be baptized, you can slip out and begin to get ready. The ladies down by the piano and organ side, the men down this side here. And you'll find, go through the restrooms and up the steps, and you can begin to get ready. God is a God of the second chance. Thank God for that. There wouldn't be a one of us here tonight if God didn't forgive his sin. God didn't cleanse his sin and give us a second chance. There may be someone here tonight that has failed the Lord. Maybe you got away from God somewhere, but I want you to know this tonight. If you'll come back, God will forgive you. God wants you to come back. God will cleanse you. But you say, oh, Brother Ken, but you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. Don't care to know what you've done. 
between you and God. It's not between me and anybody else. And it doesn't matter to me what you've done. I know this, that God will forgive of all sin. He'll cleanse of all sin. And if God will forgive you of sin, then He can bless your life again. And God can use you again. You mean it, Brother Ken. Do you really mean God can let me get back to where I can be used to Him again? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God can do something with your life again. God wants to do something with your life again. God just wants you to get up, get back, and go on. Live in victory and enjoy all that God has. Our heads are about, our eyes are closed. We're going to sing a couple of stanzas. There may be somebody here that just needs to get up out of your seat. Maybe you're away from God. You want to come back tonight. God will forgive you of your sin. You come back, tell God, confess your sin. He'll cleanse you. Maybe somebody here tonight has been defeated and whipped and harassed by the devil because of your past. Why don't you come tonight? Sometimes, you know, we know God forgives and God forgets. Our battles is in ourselves. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And we have a hard time forgetting. But I want you to know this. If God has forgiven you, then you have the right to forgive yourself. And if God has forgotten your sin, you have a right to bury your sin. Why don't you do that? Why don't you bear it? Say, oh God, I've let my past beat me down. But I want to get back, get up, and I want to get back, and I want to go on. I don't want to live in defeat. I don't want to live in despondency. I want to get back to a place of spiritual strength and a place of spiritual service so God can do something in my life again. And He can, He can, He can, and He wants to. You ought to come tonight and let those chains be broken. Let God break those chains of your guilt and your past and set you free and let Him do something in your life from here on out. Joshua 9, they march on to victory. They claim their Canaan. They conquer their land. And that's what God wants you to do. And when you get to the end of the book and when they're enjoying what God has given them, remember, when you come to chapter 24 and 25, there's a chapter 7 where they failed God. But in chapter 25, they're enjoying what God has given them. Why? Because God will cleanse and forgive us sin and bless and do something with your life again. Let God use you again. Let God put you back in the saddle again. Let God, once again, take your life and do something with it for His honor and glory. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, thank you so much that you forgive us sin. Thank you so much, Lord, that you love us. You hate our sin, but you love us. And Father, you'll deal with sin if we don't deal with sin. But Father, if we'll confess our sins, you'll cleanse us of our sin. And Father, you'll not only forgive us, but you'll bless our lives again and you'll do something with our life again. I pray tonight that you'd let somebody that is bogged down in chapter 7 begin to live in chapter 8 tonight. And they'll get up, get back, and they'll go on in the things of the Lord. So help somebody, and I'll thank you, and I'll bless you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask these things, amen. As we